Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW Insurance, right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Jerry Hamilton, but we have Justin Wells with us this morning of Inside Texas and On 3 as well, filling in for Bobby Burton. And guys, let's just jump right into it. Sark, of course, had a press conference yesterday. We're 24 hours away from game day against BYU. But uh, a couple of takeaways, the main one being injuries. And Jerry, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll let you guys know what Sark said. By the way, always, thank you for letting me know where you're checking in from. It's awesome. And Max Schnell said there's somebody on this BYU team that played in the 2014 game. That that's blows my mind. Uh, that blows my mind. Um, it's a, uh, that, that's just crazy to think about. Um, but, yeah, Sarka had his media session yesterday. Uh, talked about player availability. Um, obviously, Quinn's out. Ethan Burke's out. Jalen Catalan was listed in that week-to-week stuff earlier in the week. Uh, but he talked about all the other guys that people are wondering about. Ryan Watts, Alfred Collins, uh, Gavin Holmes, Jet Bush. And he, you know, he, he expects those guys to be available with the caveat that he's going to watch those guys um, in, in pregame warm-ups. Obviously, they'll be monitoring them throughout the day. Uh, Justin, which is kind of the normal, the normal uh, uh, coach coach speak for Sark on injuries. Uh, but it looks like all those guys, except the ones we know aren't going to be available, are going to be in uniform, and they're going to go through warm-ups, and then they'll make some decisions. And then, of course, the other big news uh, from yesterday. You know, earlier in the week, he said if it was the game was played today, Malik would be the starter. But then yesterday, he said for sure Malik uh, going to be the starter going into Saturday. What's your take away from that? I think that's what we all expected. Um, I, I, you know, look, I've been saying all week. I, I still expect both quarterbacks uh, to play Saturday. I think it's a great opportunity for Malik. I mean. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's these kids. This is what these kids dream about, and I, I don't think that guy's going to be scared of the moment at all. I think he's going to bring great energy, great enthusiasm. He's got gamesmanship at that position. He's shown that in the spring game, and he's shown that in his limited uh, snaps. He's got eight career passes in games. Um, you know, it'll I, the most interesting part to me, guys, will be uh, what exactly uh, Sark does as far as the playbook. With Malik and, and Rod Babers, we've all talked about that all week. Um, it's definitely not going to be uh, as much of the playbook as with Quinn. Uh, that doesn't mean Sark's going to call a conservative game. Sark's not a conservative uh, play caller in the passing game. He, he likes to go deep. He likes to take his shots. He wants to work the field vertically and horizontally. Uh, that's why the inside zone is so key in the running game for Texas. Um, but Justin, what are your thoughts on Malik's uh, getting his first start of his career? You know, um, it's, uh, this is something this, this kid's been working towards for the last couple of years. I, I think he's paid his dues. I think he's, he's gone through it. He, he stuck through it. He developed. And I think this is his opportunity to seize the moment. Listen, Malik Murphy's not dumb. He knew when they uh, recruited Arch Manning that they were, they were bringing in another guy you know, to, to be the man. And I think it actually amped up Malik Murphy's competition. I think, he, I think it was good for him. I think it pushed him to another level. Uh, we know how good he is, how talented he is. He just has to show it on the field, uh, that and that hand can, and that he has planted on his right shoulder. Um, at the end of the day, though, you want to see a game manager. You want to see a guy that – and nothing is better – a better friend of a new quarterback than a good running game. 
And, and, and as much as Sark wants to get vertical, and we know that's a fact that he does, like he said, he's a, that's a, he's a pass first kind of guy. I, I think we'll see more of that running attack to get Malik sort of comfortable, inundated, give him some quick looks, quick reads, things of that sort. Just be a game manager. Listen, BYU's in the top 10 in the country in turnovers forced. These guys take a lot of chances. They have won games in reality, you know. Yeah, and that, that that that's the thing you have to you have to pay attention to. So if you're Malik, you want him to grip it and rip it, but at the same time, you need him to be a game manager. This is a top seven team in the country. This is a team that's that's looking at a Big Twelve championship, potentially a playoff spot if things fall right. So just manage the game. Don't don't overthink it. You don't have to. You don't have to throw it ninety five. We can even throw it about seventy five, seventy. You know, It'll ease up a little bit on that cannon. But hey, just manage the game. And I think this is going to be fun for him. And I think this will be a good opportunity to to show what he can do. Okay, guys. Well, obviously, college football in full swing already this week. But lots of Big Twelve games coming up tomorrow. And uh, let's talk about those. And let's start with – well, we'll start with the schedule. How about that? Let's do it. Uh, there you go. That's, up a on the screen. That's a big one right off the bat. I mean, Oklahoma at Kansas, right? Um, Oklahoma, I'm not sure they slept walk last week. I mean, John Reese Plumley being back for UCF was big because he is a perfect scheme fit and uh, for Gus Malzahn, an experienced quarterback. Oklahoma has a little, a little bit of kicking issues right now, so it's something to watch if they get in a close game late uh with, with Kansas um but uh you look I mean here's the here's the thing you know here's the thing up for on the Oklahoma side uh they're better than Kansas uh Kansas is not good defensively and Oklahoma will be up and uh, will be ready for that game um you know and we'll see I think it's a big game for Iowa State at Baylor Iowa State you know Matt Campbell just a, that guy's just a really good football coach has probably stayed too long there uh, but that's a big game for them against Baylor. I mean, you know, you chip away at every win, and magically you're probably not going to the Big 12 championship game if you're Iowa State. But even if you stay in the comp in the conversation in the November, that would be amazing considering what's happened at that program in the offseason. I think Houston's gonna get ran all over by Kansas State. I think Oklahoma State will win. Hey, but there's one almost Big 12 game. Somebody asked about in the comments section, Justin Van at Carthage, baby. They want your van. Yeah, Van's eight and one, yeah. right? Van's a good yeah, team. No, Van, Van's a solid team. Van has has got the most out of the, out of their guys. I like Jared Moffat. They get a good quarterback. They get a good running attack. I like Van, but Carthage. <laughs> I mean, Carthage is tough. I think it'll be a good game. I really do, and and yeah. I think that's what you should expect. But KJ Edwards is is legit. Jet Surratt is legit. So. I'm going with Carthage. I'm not calling it a blowout because they don't blow out everybody, just most everybody. But it's going to be a uh, – it should be a good game. It really should. Hey, by the way, somebody's predi- – it's just threw out a good one. Matt Campbell to Michigan. Somebody's going to have to take that job. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and he uh, – Oh, yeah, he's going, going to – Harbaugh's headed to the NFL. And, and, and with the show. national championship this year, everybody's going to claim that he's banging trash cans. <laughs> he's, he's, he's headed for a show cause, too. All right, guys. Well, let's take a look at the Big 12 standings <laughs> as well. 
As you can see, Oklahoma <laughs> up there at the top of the leaderboard, 4-0 in conference play, followed by Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, all in a four-way tie for second place. Obviously, some of this is going to get worked out this weekend, but what do y'all think? Yeah, I mean, look, it's <laughs> – I, I that's what we're that's what I'm saying. Like, can you that's the mid twelve right there? Iowa State's three and one, <laughs> and if they beat Baylor, they're sitting there four and one starting November. That that's wild. But uh, it's I think it's really setting up. If Oklahoma beats Kansas, obviously, um, and Texas handles their business this weekend. I mean, Kansas State didn't lose in the Houston. They're gonna roll off, run all over those dudes. Uh, but uh, it's really setting up Kansas State at Texas next weekend as a massive massive game in the big 12 race no doubt about it okay well plenty of time we didn't mention texas tech should we look at the rest of their schedule they officially out of this or they still got hope according to joey mcguire everything is going smoothly it's real relationship building and and they have the the, they're running things in texas right now so according to joey everything is great (laughs) by the way richard ricardo v great comment here Oklahoma State may have found themselves at running back. Justin and I both loved Ollie Gordon in high school. Oh, God, man. Did we ever. You was Trinity, brother. 282 yards last week. I mean, he's a guy that can carry the load now. He is a thick legs, thick hip, strong dude. Big kid. He's a guy you can just hand that ball 30 times a game and, and work that clock rule if you're smart as Mike Gundy is, even though he may not have his most talented teams. Uh but look, that guy's hanging around. He's he, he what? Or just think about this: after South Alabama, when you're looking at OU schedule, you're like, oh, they're gonna blow Oklahoma State out. Now you're sitting there saying that game is in Stillwater. Now Gundy doesn't beat OU, but that game still is in Stillwater. Uh, and if Oklahoma State can run the ball, who knows? <laughs> right, well, plenty of time to get your questions in. Right, I here remember watching football. Ollie uh, against Arlington Martin. Yeah. Yeah, and te- Texas. Yeah, I was just saying. I remember watching Ollie, and it, it was against. Yeah, go ahead. And Texas offered him late. Remember, Justin, we I think we covered that. Texas offered him late. Just he wasn't a guy. He was a pretty yeah. loyal guy. He wasn't a guy that was going to consider flipping. All right. Well, before we move dude, on, guys, against Arlington Martin, he went against JV on Toviano against Travell Johnson. That guy yeah. was like running through people. Yeah. I'm not surprised what he's doing in Stillwater at all. No. Uh, before we move on, y'all, I'm going to tell everybody about BKCW Insurance, today's sponsor. And we want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. But if your business has had a frustrating insurance or employee benefit renewal, most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When this happens, the agent is providing no value and you're stuck in what they call the insurance trap. BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. They're operating out of their headquarters in Austin and they're owned by a UT graduate. BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape that insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. So head on over to BKCW.com or send an email to info at BKCW.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap yourself. I want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. 
And lots of questions already rolling in, guys. And uh, I want to start with this one that was just asked from Zane Petty before we get into Longhorn stuff. Is Lincoln Riley gone to the NFL after this year? I mean, dang. I mean, I, he's going to lose four games at USC this year, and that wasn't in the pl- cards. Uh, that wasn't in the plans. I'll tell you that. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it it's – it would make some sense if if you don't think things are going according to plan at USC. That's what I'll say. Justin, you got an opinion? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Chicago Bears job is looking pretty, pretty good to him right now. I, I think that's a job that he may want. Uh, but he's got to understand a couple things about the NFL. One – they do play defense, and it's pretty it's pretty important in the NFL level, just like at the college level, but it's really important at the NFL level too. Uh, you, you can't cook like that in the league. You go to Chicago and you start charring beef like, like that, and you're going to piss off a lot of Polacks. Like, you can't do that. You got to take care of that food. You got to do it right. And so, I, you know, Lincoln Riley, man, that, that guy, man, you talk about a guy that burns bridges. He doesn't just burn brisket. He burns yeah. bridges. And so it'll be funny to see what happens with with with, with him and with with Jim Harbaugh and all those guys. I think this off season is going to be off the off the rails. Well, uh, hey, look, that, hey, to back, piggyback off Justin, this looked like it was going to be a calm coaching carousel. I'm now thinking it might get freaking wild. I mean, a And M better not lose to South Carolina. They're already losing recruits. They better not lose to uh, Shane Beamer's broken foot. Saturday in College Station. That's all I got to say. That thing's going to blow up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's all I got to say. I mean, and if Shane, Shane Beamer's already broken one foot on a loss, he didn't think he should have taken. So don't make him break another one. Just let him win the game. Um, but no, I mean, look, what happens if Harbaugh leaves Michigan and Riley leaves USC? Those are two of your blue blood jobs open. And the trickle down of that is going to be crazy. And then if A&M were to open, and I'm not saying it is, I mean, then U of H is sitting there saying, dang, man, I mean, is, can we do it? Should we do another season with Dana Holgerson? Because this whole trickle down is going to be wild. Um, so if, if both those guys leave, if you had two of the biggest blue blood jobs open, th- that's going to set up one wild December. And it's not just going to be Texas looking for flips. I mean, that is going to be, I mean, Hayes Fawson won't be able to make edits fast enough if those two jobs open up. That's all I got to say. <laughs> All right, well, the other big news uh, that a lot of people are commenting about, AM, of course, had a decommitment yesterday. So let's talk about that for a second. Jerry or Justin, whoever wants to jump in, yeah, let y'all tell everybody what went down. Uh, yeah, I was actually by uh, Beaumont United of three weeks ago. I didn't really publicize it. Um, it was after Weston Davis uh, canceled his Texas visit. Um, and I was just down there to watch Weston. They have a couple other kids that are pretty good players. I, I, I ripped through Jasper. Check on Ty Anthony. That's when he had the uh, September 30th official visit, uh, Ty Anthony, to Texas against Kansas that he then canceled. Uh, but after Brandon Baker committed, Texas didn't really make a move uh, on Weston Davis. I think they were, they're were they more DeAndre Carter. If they get him at guard, they probably close up shop. But I will tell you, they like Jacob Potton's senior video, Dripping Springs, committed to the Big 12 champs, Texas Tech. Um, so, I mean, there is that, that's a guy they really like on senior tape, but at that point in time, look, Weston Davis, when he committed to A&M, man, I, LSU thought he was going to LSU. I mean, I had a pick for LSU. I think most people had a pick for LSU in the industry. Um, 
So I, that was a surprising one that he committed to AM. But it, when Draylon Miller decommitted, um, you know, the, the, all those guys run, as Justin and I, we always talk about, those guys run in a tight circle in the Golden Triangle up in the East Texas. And, uh, you know, you have the Terry Bussey chatter about LSU right now. Ty Anthony Smith seems uh, seems solidly committed to AM, but if all those guys peel, we'll see what happens. LSU's trying to make a run on Ty Anthony. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago. LSU's going to be the benefactor if AM's class crumbles. I mean, that's just going to be the bottom line. If you're Texas, you sit there with Dominant McKinley, some light communication, and hope just when all these other guys start peeling that Dominant McKinley may want to head uh, south of College Station. I can tell you, that uh, Dominic McKinley actually reached out to Texas this week. Nothing major, just keeping the lines of communication open. And then Jerry, Dax Kelm says, was Texas trying to get Weston Davis on campus, or is that pretty much over? Now, after Bla- after uh, Brandon Baker uh, uh, committed, they didn't really make a push there. Uh, like I said, they were going after DeAndre Carter, uh, the Auburn commitment, which Auburn has a little more confidence on now. And Auburn has, we talked about, Auburn has a ton of pressure to keep DeAndre Carter in this class. He's the only high school offensive lineman they have committed. And I know they're going to go heavy portal, but who wants to who wants to be sitting there in November with zero offensive line commits in high school level? I think we've seen that from Texas before, Justin, and that generally doesn't go well. No, <laughs> not at all. I don't see – you know, it's funny. We've been saying Auburn only has one O-line commit for like four months now. Like, I know. Are they recruiting any other linemen, or are they just going to portal everyone? I think they're because portaling. I don't know what Freeze is doing. He must be. He might still be recruiting from a hospital bed. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I and I know you touched on it, Jerry, but we're still getting a lot of questions. But you said his name and that lit a fire. Champ Bailey three says, "Does Texas have a well, chance with Bussy, or is that LSU all the way?" Go ahead, Rangers fan. <laughs> Let me handle Terry. I actually caught up with him a couple days ago. Um, I, you know, him and Texas still talk. I just don't see a, a bright light there. I, I think Terry is an incredibly respectful kid, and so and Texas putting in the effort, he's trying to match that because Terry's just a really, really, really good person. Um, and I think that's why you haven't seen him decommit yet. I think he feels a little guilty. Because he is a kid that once he commits, he's one of those. He's like, well, you know what? That's that, that that's why I committed. That, that that's why I'm here. And so uh, I do think he will leave that AM class. I'm not sure when, but I do think he's going to decommit. Where he goes is going to be a big story because, like I said, LSU's making a push there. I know AM's trying to push. Oklahoma's still trying to push. I know Alabama's still in contact with him. And so. Terry's going to be a, a highly sought commodity if and when he decommits from AM. I just don't, I just don't, with Texas, it's just hard to see a path there right now. And I, and I don't know why. I, I think he's, I think there's more upside there than the other East Texas commit. But hey, that's why Sark and those boys make them the big bucks. And, and by the way, I mean, I'm not saying anything, but I mean, recruiting wise, obviously important for Bussy. I think they're trying to keep their house together in Timpson right now. Um, all right. Next next question. All right. So another AM commit that we're gonna talk about that we're getting lots of questions on. This question from Trey Douglas. He says, Good morning from Melissa, Texas. Are we still in contact with Miles Davis? Or are they all in on Xavier? Uh I right now they're they're in contact with Davis, but they want Xavier Phil Same is the guy now. Um and they're talking. Yeah. 
it's still a maybe he comes down this week. And I actually talked to somebody early this morning. And they said he's still a maybe. It depends on his dad. Uh, he has, his dad's supposed to have a work activity on Saturday. And Texas wants him to come down with his dad. His dad wants to make the trip with Xavier if he's going to uh, uh, make an unofficial visit to Texas. So we'll see. But Texas is really, and for good reason, after seeing Phil Sam Tuesday. I mean, he's an elite, elite athlete at the safety position. And I and I know when people say that, well, so Keaton Crawford's an elite athlete. But Keaton Crawford wasn't really recruited as a safety. Xavier Phil Sam is a safety. Um, yeah. He is a high, high-end safety prospect. Yeah, Keaton played more offense, too. Yeah. A lot more offense. All right, y'all. This next question still has to do with AM, not so much on recruiting, but it is a super chat from Chris Harrington. I want to thank Chris. He says, Can y'all imagine Coach Patterson to Texas AM? Do you think they're putting feelers out in general? No, I don't think Gary Patterson AM would happen. I think, uh, you know, look, if AM opened up, I think they're going to look at watch Seattle, Washington to see what he wants to do. Um, you know, the scary, uh, the scary scenario for uh, uh, Justin and I would be uh, old Jeff Trailer, uh, uh, A&M making the smart hire and grabbing old Jeff Trailer over there and letting him go to work yeah. and recruiting. With Texas the fans the don't want that, man. <laughs> All right, this next one. Actually, uh, Rudy Serda, you put in a super chat, but it, the question didn't come with it. If you'll put it in the chat regular, we will make sure to get to that for you. Uh, so this next one, guys, is we're going to talk about LSU for a second. Chuck Mason says LSU already has 26 commits. How many more can they take? I would have to look at their uh, class, but uh, obviously all 26 guys committed right now will not sign. So we'd have we'd I'd have to take yeah. a look at that a little deeper. Uh, but they'll, they'll if they'll make some room if they have to on a guy or two. Yeah. And then another prospect we're getting a lot of questions about, and I mean a lot this morning. Corey J says, don't know if this has been asked, but is Texas still in contact with the linebacker Justin Williams? Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll stay in contact. He's a recruit through the whistle prospect for Texas. Now, a lot of that, the ball is in Georgia's court on that, but uh, Texas will hang in there and they'll try to get him on campus. Uh, you know, they're midterm graduates. So the same with Xavier, Phil, same. You know, you're down to a few weeks to work with. Uh, you don't have a home game after uh, Kansas State for two weeks, uh, but that's not really important. The big thing would be getting guys down, you know, during this on a weekday after their high school season's over. You've seen we've seen this before. Texas get guys down on a weekday, watch a bowl practice, hang out with the team. You know, that sort of visit is out there as well. It doesn't just have to be a game visit. Justin, what what do you want to add on Justin Williams? I know you saw him play Friday. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. Those lines of communication are are still going. They're still talking, and 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 Williams is still listening. That was the big takeaway for me. But he is he's solid to Georgia. He loves Glenn Schumann, the defensive coordinator, who was in attendance last Friday when I was there, and I met him. Like that's he's locked into Georgia. But, but I just think I love that Texas. Plays the long game. They don't pressure him, and they're, they're going to recruit the whistle. And that's what you have to do in this cycle because if they take a linebacker, it's going to be a Justin Williams or a Ty Anthony Smith. Yeah. Keep that contact going. You never know if he wants to stay closer to home. 
And then we will move on here to the next one. And I'm going to kind of rephrase this question here, but Mark Chanel says, please comment on Texas must get visitors to flip. I'm going to let you each name one who y'all think is a must get for the Longhorns. Xavier feel same for me. I, I just look at safety. Um, I, I look at what Derek Williams impact feel same. I'm not saying he's as good as Derek Williams, but he's a hellacious <laughs> player in his own right. And I look at safety right now for Texas and, uh, I feel same would be the guy for me. So uh, I'll, I'll let Justin go on his. Texas must get visitors to flip. I mean, it would have to be Justin Williams. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the guy. If you can get him on campus, I mean, <laughs> then you're cooking with grease. That's the big yeah. key there. I mean, there's a handful of other guys that are, that are they're interested in. They like Isaiah Williams. They just took Ryan Wingo. And they still yeah. like Isaiah Williams, the Florida commit out of Tampa. And so there, there's a few there. Um, Miles Wardell Davis Mack. was asked about earlier. Wardell Mack? You would yeah. take Wardell Mack quickly. That's a numbers-busting son of a gun, man. That kid can ball. You would take him as well. And so I think that's what makes the next the, the last six weeks of this cycle so much fun. It's going to be – there's going to be some flips. Decommitment season has arrived. You know, yeah. get your get your pass, get your license. <laughs> it's ready. But I, I'm gonna go with Justin Williams. Him or him or Wardell Mack. You get either one of those guys to flip. This class might be a top five, top six class. No doubt. All right, by the way, David Rawls asking about Solomon Williams slipping away. Um slipping away. I don't know. Um I think uh in recruiting decisions have to be made. Um he is uh gonna be at Alabama for the LSU game. Miami's trying to get him on campus late, I think. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I, we'll see if Oregon actually pushes for him. They Oregon's in a good spot for Eliza Rushing. They signed a lot of the lineman edge guys last year. But we'll see how hard uh, Salt A&M, I mean, Oregon pushes for Solomon Williams. The key there is, look, A&M was the favorite a few weeks ago. Are they still with this season? Well, you mentioned Wardell Mack. And we've had some questions uh, regarding Florida. So Vivek B says, why are the Florida guys staying solid? Their team is collapsing. I mean, they're five and two. I mean, I, I don't know if they're collapsing, but here's the thing. They have a really good class. Um, they just got LJ McRae, five-star DN. They have enough built-up momentum, and they're five and two. I really – They got momentum. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, too. I mean, look, Georgia should beat them. Georgia doesn't have brought Bowers. I mean, but Georgia should win the game Saturday. After that, Florida's Florida's got a – if Florida can get to 7-5 and five this year, then it's kind of like Sark last year. I mean, rough first season. All right, we've improved. We're building. You know, you can see this stuff starting to come together, what we've been telling you guys. Now, if they, if they, uh, if they fade this season, if they lose to Georgia, they'll lose at LSU, lose at home to FSU – I mean, then they only have to lose one more, and they're sitting there at six and six. And the uh, it's there's not going to be a lot of positivity. It's amazing how one win really changes an outlook. I mean, but the thing about Florida here, here's what I'll say after talking to Phil Same, and I went up to Willis a couple of weeks ago with my uh, good buddy coworker Keith Niebuhr covers Florida. Um, Florida is not was not telling these kids, hey, we're going to go ten, we're going to have ten wins this season. We're, we're about to have a breakout season. They've been telling these kids we're in a rebuild mode. So they have set they haven't set unrealistic expectations for on-field performance this season. They've been very realistic 
and very upfront with their kids they have committed where they're at and what they're doing is come make an impact and be part of getting us back. That's what Florida's doing in the recruiting front. And fly Florida, Florida's in the sissy and in the aisle now. They can compete. And then, guys, we have a super chat here from Juan. We want to thank Juan. And he says, Jerry, Justin, Jeff Trailer has the choice of jobs that could be opening in Arkansas, Houston, or Baylor. Between those, who do you think he would choose? His favorite AD is at Arkansas, but that's the toughest, actually the toughest job of those three moving forward. I, of those three, I he mean, turned, I, yeah, yeah. I, Baylor would be he the one. He turned Houston down last year. He's not taking Houston. Baylor would be the one. He tur- yeah, he turned three. Houston down last year. He's not taking Houston. Baylor, Baylor maybe, but I, I'm with you. I actually think Arkansas would have the best shot. Very interesting for sure. Uh, well, we've talked about other schools recruiting. Now we're going to get to some Longhorn recruiting questions. Uh, Steve Sedera says, with all the LSU momentum, do you think there's any concern for Colin Simmons? I do not. I, I, th- I think Colin Simmons is – all in on Texas. I think Colin Simmons sees the opportunity to come be uh, the sack master at Texas uh, and uh, help push Texas to that next level uh, defensively, or well, some fans would say any level defensively, but Texas is good. Um, but I think he sees the opportunity to be an impact difference maker at the University of Texas, close to his brother, close to his mom. And then the next question is about Texas' most recent commit from Fresh 6473. Jerry, Justin, will Trey Wingo be a day one starter and an instant impact at wide receiver in 2024? What He's you got, already Justin? already had a job at the NFL Network. <laughs> Trey Wingo has a interest. job at the NFL Network. Um, um, and, you know, he is a Baylor guy. Um Instant impact, it just depends on who they get from the portal. But I know this much, he's going to be on the field as a freshman. And I'll say this, he's a he's an early graduate, right? So Sark's offense is, an easy, is not an yeah, easy one to learn. Yeah, he'll be in January. Yeah, so Sark's offense is not an easy one to learn. But look, Ryan Wingo being there early, that gives him a head start. We've seen that. I mean, and people say, well, Jontae Cook's not on the field. Well, it's going to be a different scenario because Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell are going to be off to the NFL. So there's good. And while Texas will get some somebody out of the portal, there's still more of an opportunity uh, for young receivers next year at the University of Texas. That's where I see all these. We see all these Jontae uh, Cook questions about Twitter comments and stuff. Look, kids just have to have a little patience. I know it can be tough, uh, but if Jonte Cook has a little patience, things are going to work out really well for him. If he doesn't have the patience to stay, then good luck to him. There you go. All right, guys, this next question, besides Colin Simmons, who do you think makes an impact out of this year's class? This question from Jose Rodriguez. And Justin, I'm going to let you go first. Besides Colin Simmons, the most impactful. Oh, that's a good question. I actually think a guy that's not publicly committed yet might actually be the, the most impactful besides Colin Simmons in this class next year. But I'll, I'll wait till that happens. Um, that's a great question. I, I, I'm going to throw one Man, out. Man, Jerry, what do you think? Because like, Colin's, Colin's immediate. I, I'm going to throw one out. And I'm, it's not going to be the same impact of an Anthony Hill or Colin Simmons, or Kelvin Banks, Jordan Johnson, Rubel. 
safety position at Texas. He's a okay. midterm graduate. He's coming from IMG, which has already been prepared like a college kid. Um, and, and I actually talked to – I said this yesterday morning. I, po- I I talked to somebody at IMG just driving around Dallas uh, in between some schools. I wanted to get caught up on Jarrett Gibson and Jordan Johnson Bell. And I'm just telling you, IMG loves Jordan Johnson Bell. They think he's better than his ranking. Yes, those guys look at all the national rankings – um, they think he's just a tremendous player. And I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be Jalen Catalan at the next level. That stuff's to be determined. Nobody thought Jalen Catalan was going to be Jalen Catalan at the next level. He was ranked 250 in the country, about where Jordan Johnson rebels ranked. Uh, but that's a guy, I think, because of being in early, safety position, a guy who's been at a program, at a high school program, that it's nothing's going to be feel foreign to him as far as weight room, strength and conditioning, nutrition. IMGs run like a college program. So the kids that handle their business there and they graduate early, they seem to flow very easy into the college game. That's my guy. Oh, by the way, I'll throw David Rawls has a good one, Justin. Alex January. Because Alex January is a midterm graduate. He's going to play over the ball. Um, He's having a hell of a senior season. I think that's a that's he's a having pick. a great season. That's a good. He's pick, having a David great Rose. season, and don't I forget he's young for his age. He's yes, he's barely seventeen. So that like January is going to play early. The only reason I didn't mention him earlier is because of Sadir Mitchell. I yeah. think that would be a, a roadblock to, to some instant intro, impact intro play. Yeah. Yep. Right, right. But I do think because I think Alex January's had a great season. Listen, DeAndre Robinson is having a great season. And I don't see him as an instant impact guy either, but Melvin Hills is having a great senior season. So that yeah. that that's a good that's a good observation all around. Hey, E Kim asked score of Duncanville DeSoto. Um man, I'd get in trouble if I predicted that game. I don't want to get I don't want to get blasted. Justin went through that with Lufkin Longview, but I'm going to do it anyways. I yeah. love you Claude. Hey, I love you quick. Claude Mathis. I love you Claude Mathis. I'll go Duncanville uh, 38 just <laughs> DeSoto 24. Justin, he, no. he, can't, he can't predict the game because he's calling the game. I'm, I'm giving you the Kirk Herb Street out. All right, well, we got another yeah. one then. Super chat from Jimmy. Jimmy I'll, Trimino, take, I'll take North Shore in a close one over at Tascasita. Uh, Jerry, you got to give us your prediction for that as well. Man, I could get in really, really trouble on this one. I love my North Shore guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, these guys get mad. Atascacita, I think, has, if not the best, the second best team under Craig Stump he's had. I don't have a full injury report for either one of those teams because I do think that's impactful. Um, I'm going to go. I'm not doing – I'm not picking against North Shore. I'll go North Shore 24, Atascacita 21. I, I mean, I think Atascacita may be a little better this year personnel, but a lot of people have been better personnel than North Shore because North Shore's not yes. the uber-talented team that they were for about a 10-year run. People – I mean, Duncanville had better personnel than them in state championship games and lost. Uh, people have had better personnel and North Shore beat them because they, they're so disciplined in that program. I'll stick with North Shore. And a tight one. There you go. All right. And thank you, Jimmy, for the super chat, by the way. Okay, guys, we're going to do one more recruiting question, then we'll move on to some team stuff, then we can circle back around. Um, but Pinkman90 says, any thoughts on Gibson? He's visiting the Florida game again. 
this weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, talking to somebody at IMG, they thought they kept they they've said the same thing. They'd be surprised if he actually flipped, but you know, at the same time, look, guys go guys go to games. That'll be his third time. Now he lives in Gainesville. IMG had an off week, but look, Florida's doing their job. Yeah, he lives they're there. Going after, they're going after Jarrett Gibson. Uh, they're also going after Jaden Ball, a running back committed to Arkansas out of Georgia. So if Jaden Ball flipped first to Florida, which some people think he might. Florida's also after Kiwan Lacey, the running back at Lancaster that just decommitted from Nebraska yesterday. He's got an Alabama official visit uh, for the LSU game, and Ole Miss is trying to get him on campus. Florida's trying to get one more back in that class. The question is, does somebody jump in before they could push long enough to have a shot at flipping Jarrett Gibson? But I think Texas feels pretty good about Gibson right now. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to move on to some team stuff uh, right here on Coffee and Football presented by BKCW Insurance. And this first question, guys, comes from Vader RT. He says, I know there's a question about whether or not the defensive backs are being taught zone coverage well enough. But regardless of Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon, doesn't Michael Huff also help? Michael Huff knows his role. Yeah, and that's a big thing that at Texas, like there's a chain of command. And listen, nobody, anytime Michael Huff speaks about anything, specifically defensive backs, they listen. Coaches listen, players listen, but that's not his role. That's not his job all the time. And so, yeah, he can help out when they ask. And I'm sure they do, you know, look for, look to him for, 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 for day-to-day stuff. But that's Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon's job, point yeah. blank. Uh, this next question, y'all, uh, is going to come from Fresh sixty four seventy three. Who will be running? Who will be running back number two behind CJ Baxter next season? Gibson or Clark? Assuming, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jarrett Gibson, assuming he signs with Texas, um, he's the early graduate. Christian Clark is not. State of Arizona does not have early high school graduation unless you go through about seven different loops. Um, so Jarrett Gibson would have the, the, the upper hand there. I just, I think Christian Clark, if, if his vision adjusts quickly and by that, I mean, Arizona competition, power five competition at Texas moving into SEC. I think that kid's got special feet and vision. Um, as long as it carries over, he is a fit. He runs physically like a running back in the SEC right now. I, I think I think Christian Clark's going to be a pretty good player. Somebody asked about Trey Weisner. I think that's more of a uh, – um, I, I think Trey Weisner is a very, very good football player. I think that may be a little more of a different role. Okay, guys, I, found, I got that super chat in from Rudy Serda. So let me bring it up real quick here. My oh, by the way, Savion Red could be running back too, by the way. There you go. Good at – Good thought. If he stays uh, in front, if he stays in front of the chains off the field, and not get behind the chains. Uh, Rudy Serda with his super chat. Thank you, Rudy. He says Colt McCoy bulked up to take the punishment of college football. Do you think Quinn should have done the same instead of losing weight? He tends to dive toward the traffic instead of sliding. One thing I want to say about Quinn and that is, um, you know, whenever he's done that, it's been on third and long where he's trying to help his team get a first down. Like the play against Oklahoma where he fumbled, that 
that was a play where he's just he was trying to make a play. He was trying to make a play for Texas. The one against Houston, he's trying to make a play there for te- uh, for Texas for his team. Uh, in both those situations, I if he had a slid, I probably would have had an issue. I'd have had an issue with it um, because that's just conceding at that point. I, and Quinn doesn't play that way. First of all, um, he he's uh, you know. Colt, somebody said Colt gained muscle, Quinn lost body fat. And I think that's true. That's um, it. Just, that nails it. That nails it, right? But Quinn is not the frame at 6'3 of Arch Manning. If you look at the two of them, Justin can talk about this. Arch is just a thicker guy in the legs naturally. So when when he gets when he goes and works out at the college level, he's gonna he's gonna be a thicker, more muscle-bound guy from hip to toe. Um, and in the upper body, they have different frames. Arch Manning is going to be 225, 230 pound guy. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with his natural frame. I, I think if Quinn's a two ever gets to that type of size, um, it, it's, it, I don't think he has the frame to do that necessarily. Okay, guys. Well, we talked about replacements in the running back room. This next question is about replacements in the tight end room. Brandon Huey says, who is JT Sanders' replacement next season? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Transfer portal. Yeah, that's kind of – I mean, look, Jordan Washington's very talented player, but he needs a little time. Uh, but his upside's really high. I think it's going to come from the portal. And then now let's talk about wide receivers. Terrell Hennigan says, who do you think wins the slot battle next year between Niblet and Moore? That's a great question because they are two totally different players. Uh, DeAndre Moore was an early grad, uh, early enrollee who was much farther along as a wide receiver. He had played wide receiver. He played it at St. John Bosco, one of the best programs in the country. He had trained at that position. He is a smooth moving guy with really good hands, very dependable, um, understands, understands route trees, coverages, things like that. Ryan Niblett is a much more explosive athlete, uh, one of the best athletes pound for pound in the Texas program. But at Eisenhower High School to win football games, he played quarterback, he played receiver, he played running back, he punted, he punt return, and he had to do it all, kickoff return. He even played some DB as a junior. He literally had to do it all to help Aldean win games. He had never trained exclusively at the wide receiver position. Um, So he came in about – he was as raw as Jamon Tapp was raw, as Jare Bledsoe was raw, 
But those guys have very high ceilings. If Ryan Niblett catches the football consistently from a power five quarterback, um, and I'm not saying he can't, he's just never had to do it before in high school. If he does that in traffic, in attached coverage, watch out for Ryan Niblett. I don't know if Justin's heard anything of late. I, we All we hear is positive stuff on Niblett. Yeah, I, I think, they're, like Jerry said, it. They're, they're two different receivers. I think Moore is a little further along, and I think he's more of your your, your traditional pass catcher. But, like you said, Niblett can fly. Niblett, Niblett in space is unfair. So, it's it's a good question, and it'll be interesting. how it, The spring is going to be competitive, guys. They're going to bring in a portal guy. They're going to bring in a good class. <laughs> Spring's going to really – we're going to see the cream rise to the top. Now Bobby's asking a question from 48,000 feet. Bring that up. Yeah, I was actually about to bring this up. So Bobby is on his way to Austin. He'll be Bobby's football line never stops. <laughs> and Bobby from many, many thousand feet way up in the air says, for Jerry and Justin, who would each of you start in the secondary if A, Watts is healthy and B, Catalan is out? Justin, I'll let you go first. Get, I'll let you get in your DB bag right now. <laughs> Sitting here giving away stuff on a, for a story. Um, <laughs> um, if Watts is healthy, I would start him. Yes, Bobby. Yes. Uh, if Catalan's out, I wouldn't start him. Um, I don't know how much Catalan's going to play. That's a good yeah. question. I don't know how much Catalan's going to play. I think you're going to see more Derek Williams. I think you're going to see more Keaton Crawford. You're going to see more Michael Taft. Um, I think you'll see Ryan Watts on Saturday. I think this is the game that they'd kind of been pinpointing for him to come back and, and to get back on the field. I think last week he probably could have done it in a pinch, but they, they tried really hard to make sure he's dealing with that hamstring. So that, that, that can be very, very tricky. And so I, I think if Watts, it, you know, Watts, I, I see Watts playing, but if he's not, I, I think you would just see Manny Muhammad and, and Gavin Holmes over on that spot opposite of, of Terrence Brooks. So Jerry, uh, yeah, I I agree with uh, I agree with uh, Justin. I, I think it'll be interesting how much Jade Barron goes this week. Okay, guys, we're gonna move on to the next question here, and uh, let's do. There was one I thought. Oh, here we go. We talked about quarterbacks, or I'm sorry, we talked about wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. Talk about the quarterback. Daniel Kinnaman says, "Is Terry Bridge?" Teddy Bridgewater, excuse me, a good comparison for Malik Murphy. Not for me. I saw Teddy Bridgewater in high school. Look, Teddy was a really good athlete now. Teddy was a draftable shortstop if he had stuck with baseball. Uh, that was actually his best sport. Uh, Malik is a pocket-pocket passer. So if you want a best-case scenario, this guy goes well beyond expectations type of comparison, I mean, you're talking – Byron Leftwich. I mean, that's that's what, uh, some people say. Jamarcus Russell, frame wise, arm strength rise, but then most people be like, "Oh no!" Well, I mean, Jamarcus Russell was a, a very arm talent, frame gifted guy. I think, um, but uh, Malik is a tr Ben Roethlisberger is a better athlete than Malik Murphy. I mean, and that's not a knock on Malik; that's a compliment to Ben Roethlisberger. Somebody brought Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is a pretty good athlete, man. He was just a big frame guy. He could, he wasn't a runner, but dude, he was a functional athlete at that position, especially when he was younger. 
Well, I'm glad you said that, Jerry. And I'm going to pose this question to Justin from Zane Petty while we're on the subject. I know Malik is not a runner, but do you think he has good functional mobility? Justin? No. He's a pocket guy. Just like Jerry said, there's no functional mobility to him. The Lord blessed him with a hand cannon on his right shoulder. He can't give him everything. But we'll see We'll see how, how spry he can be whenever he's flushed out of the pocket on a third down. But he's not your typical. He's not a guy that's going to run with the ball. <laughs> What's funny is, you know, Arch Manning might be more of a mobile quarterback. And he's not a mobile quarterback either. He's a pocket guy. But after what we saw in the spring game and after what happened in the second scrimmage during fall camp, that's the guy that people are thinking, wait a minute, he can run with the ball? Yeah. Uh, well, the only spot we haven't talked about on offense is the offensive line, so let's do it. Robert Salas says, not hearing a lot about Kelvin Banks this year. How do y'all think he's doing? Good. Maybe not playing at the first-team All-American level people I, people expected. Right? But he, look, I'll say this. I don't think he's been healthy. I think his ankle's been an issue for him. Um, it certainly was Yeah. I mean, that ankle, he was visibly limping in the Oklahoma game, like visibly limping. He's playing through um, an ankle that is is not probably not going to fully heal till you know, uh, after hopefully the Big 12 title game until the bowl game when he has a few weeks off. Uh, but he's having a good season. Uh, but next year's just contract year. Okay, and then moving on here, we have a question regarding the coach Sarkeesian. And Green Valley 6 says, what is it about Sark that stopped him from being that go-for-the-throat type of coach? Besides the Oklahoma game last year, we have not seen the all-gas, no-breaks mentality. What you got, Justin? <laughs> Nothing. He said it <laughs> after the University of Houston game. No, he, he said it after the University of Houston game. He said, we need a killer instinct. We need more, we need more of that killer drive. I don't, I, I don't necessarily think it's against Sark as much as it is just how things have happened this season. I, I, if you ask him, he'd love to run up the score on people. But I, there's just been too many situations where that wasn't the case in that game or that specific time. But they need a killer instinct. Listen, if this team's going to win the Big 12 – they're going to have to put on more of a pissed-off attitude. They're going to have to put more of a of a killer-type. Listen, they've been great in fourth quarters. To me, that shows some metal. They really have. They, they've closed games so much better than they did in the first two seasons under Sark. And I think he deserves credit for that. But they're still missing that one final stomp-on-you type element. And, and, and that sometimes has to be cultivated over, over time and over and over a situation of wins. Okay, then the next question, I'm going to get a little schematically advanced here. Uh, Bobby Petronic says, why do we employ a pass-blocking guard when we, use, when we run an RPO-based offense? That's a good question. Um, I uh, – that's a good question. I mean, look uh, – um, I'm not sure I have the answer. Hayden Connor, uh, is an experienced football player. Um, and he's a guy that the uh, staff knows they feels like they can count on. Um, I, I do think, uh, after this season, the competition will be interesting. 
And then guys, I want to read this question here from Colton uh, and get y'all take on this. He says, too many plays, not an offensive identity. What's y'all's thoughts on that? You know, I think I think Texas has an offensive identity. Um, I, I think, look, I mean, Sark, Sark is, has a really good scheme. Um, I think Texas has an offensive identity. His offensive, he, his offensive identity wants to be a pass-first team uh, to set up the run that can run when they ha- want to and when they have to. Um, and, and the one thing about Texas this year, through some struggles, is when they've had to run the football, they've run the football. They ran the football late to beat Bama. Um, yes, they did get the offsides penalty, but they were running the football when it counted. They've run the football against Kansas when they needed to. They've run the football. They ran the football against U of H with Malik Murphy, and when Sark did not want to put it on his arm, a quarterback that's never played much on the road. So they've ran the ball when they had to. So I think the identity for the Texas offense is there. I think the question is whether the fans like that identity somewhat. And look, Sark wants the Sark's identity. It's there. Pass to set up the run, stretch the field vertically, stretch the field horizontally, inside zones big because that enables him to stretch the field verti- uh, horizontally, then vertically. And vertically, to me, doesn't always mean 50-yard bombs. Vertically, to me, is a Quinn Ewers opposite field hash on a deep comeback. He's still stretched. That's still a 35, 40-yard throw. He's stretching the field vertically without throwing over the top. I think Texas has an offensive identity. All right, guys. And then we're going to talk about defense for a second, looking into the future. Terrell Hennigan says, who do you think the best player on defense next year will come from or what level? First, second, or third? That's a good question. That is a good question. I'm going to say second level. Anthony second Hill? level. I think with, with, with Anthony Hill, yeah. Yeah, I, I, love, I love the young linebackers. And, and I like the young safeties. I like Jelani McDonald. I like – I love – uh, obviously, Derek Williams, but Jelani McDonald and Warren Roberson. There's there, there's some real up and comers in that back seven. Um, not taking away from the D line, but you know they've been dominant in the program for for so long. They're starting to build it out more. So I'm I, I would say at the second than third level. Jerry, um, yeah, I think Anthony Hill uh, next year. Now we'll see. Um, I look. I think Byron Murphy. Not, you know, NFL draft-wise, Byron Murphy is going to be interesting for me, Justin, because Byron Murphy is not going to get more fast twitch by returning to college another year. So do you just take where you're at as an NFL prospect if you're a fourth-round pick and roll with it? Because you're not going to get more fast twitch. So it's not like you're going to jump into the first round by coming back another year. Do you just take what you are, being a graduate, a guy that came into college with 60 hours, or do you consider sticking around for another year? I think he's got a very interesting decision to make because coming back for another year, I don't think ensures a better NFL draft position for him. Um, there's just that he kind of is what he is, uh, but he's very good at what he does. Um, but I'm going to go with Anthony Hill. Uh, I, I just think Anthony Hill next year is going to be a what we're seeing this year. Um, I mean, he, he's going to play it, you know, under consideration for All American level. That's on, on, so, uh, not saying first team, second, third team. All right, guys. You're watching Coffee and Football presented by BKCW Insurance. And uh, Justin and Jerry, 
I'm about to tell everybody about BKCW Insurance. And while I do that, I want you to pull up the commitment list for this year to get ready for this next question. And Got in the meantime, it. let me tell you guys about BKCW. Did your business have a frustrating insurance or employee benefits renewal? Most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When this happens, the agent's providing no value and you're stuck in what they call the insurance trap. BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas, or I'm sorry, Austin and owned by a Texas graduate, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape that insurance trap, and it all starts with a free risk assessment. So go to bkcw.com or send them an email at it to info at bkcw.com to get started with that free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. I want to thank them for sponsoring every Friday's Coffee and Football. And then, like I said, guys, I hope you got your commitment list up. This is a question from Brandon Huey. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Huey says, what I'm sorry, I'm laughing at just Royals. Looks like you need to smoke. <laughs> on both sides will have the biggest impact next year. Four star. Well, let's see where we think guys will it finishes four star. Um, I want to throw one to Justin. I'm going to throw mine out first. I'm going to throw Justin. Mine's Jordan Johnson Rebel. Yeah, that, that's okay. I like that one. Uh, we think Alex Jr. <laughs> but I'll throw another one out. Santana Wilson. NFL players. Uh, dad was Ooh. an NFL player, NFL executive. Um, but he's not an early enrollee. That's the only thing that gives me a little pause. But that's a guy that's going to be um, – he's going to understand everything in front of him. Uh, and so those guys tend to have a chance and um, biggest impact. It may be as a backup corner, but he could have a big impact as we've seen because injuries are going to happen. But I like Jordan Johnson or bell. My other one would be Christian Clark, even though it's not an early enrollee. Justin, who's yours? One on defense, one on offense. Yeah, I'll take Jordan Johnson Rebel. I'm gonna bite off of Jerry's bit a little bit earlier tonight uh, this morning. I, I I think that's a guy that's so ready for the college game. It's ridiculous how mature and smart that kid is. I think that's the that that's one impact guy on that side. On the offensive side, I don't think you'll see much on the O line because I do feel like this group is um it, it's really building. This, this that position's just getting deeper, but. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it is a Jared Gibson or if it is a, a, a Christian Clark because I do think the running game is fluid. I do think they had Baxter, who's still, you know, going to be your guy going in next year, but he's been being, he's been dinged up. We've seen a lot of running backs get a lot of run this year. Uh, it's going to, it'll, it'll pretend to see what happens with Savion Red, with Jaden Blue, with guys like that. I know Keelan Robinson will be gone. And so there's going to be somebody that needs to fill in in his role as well. Um, with the four stars, and there's another one I, I really like Parker Livingstone. I, I really like that kid. I, I know he's going to be, you know, coming off of, of, off of an injury, but 
that's a guy that I think can 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 make an impact. I love Freddie Dubose. He's healthy finally. He's looking like the quick twitch Freddie Dubose we used to see. And so that's that that guy right there is is another one that can make an impact. There's so many guys here, but here's the main underlying factor. There's a lot of depth. That's why Jerry and I are kind of having a hard time finding impactful freshmen because there is a ton of depth on this team and a lot of youth. And so it's going to be hard to break in. You saw freshmen this year really breaking into the rotation, getting some major run. Derek Williams, Manny Muhammad, Jonte Cook, Anthony Hill, all those guys. I think it'll be harder for this next class to come in and do the same thing. Those guys were – that was an impactful group. And I think that them being there and being young may have a little bit to say about it. Uh, by the way, so somebody asked about Daniel Cruz, and y'all know I'm the, as big a Daniel Cruz fan as there is. But I'll say this about him. This is his first time playing center this year in high school football, and he's looked really good at it. They have a big game uh, uh, tonight, by the way, um, against Mansfield Timberview, who's 8-0. He'll be matched up with Dylan Battle, the 2025 D-tackle, who I went by Timberview Tuesday morning in Texas, really likes Dylan Battle, as does LSU Michigan, where his dad lives in Alabama. So that may be his best one-on-one matchup this season, but you see him pull on tape. Uh, But I said all that to say this. Jake Majors could come back, but Cole Hudson will be back, and Connor Robertson will be back. If Daniel Cruz went into Texas, and he's an early enrollee, and beat those two, let's say Majors is gone, and he beat those two guys out, he's he's, he's even better than I thought he was, because that is a hard position to come in and take the reins on early. But if he went in and ended up beating those guys out, you're going to be talking about a potentially great player. That's not something a good player would do. That's something a great player would do. Because that's a tough, that's a tough road. All right, guys, we got a couple of super chats that we need to knock out before we get out of here. And Fresh6473 says, and thank you, by the way, for the super chat. Deloth Dodds was never a fan of Texas to the SEC. However, do you guys think if Texas had moved to the SEC in 2012 and with better recruiting, would Texas have won a natty or at least played for one during that time? I'm going to say yes. I want to say yes, but no if they made the same coaching hires. Yeah, the coaching hire had a lot – has as much to do with that as anything. I mean, but, it, it, you know, that's the hard thing to say. But if Texas had made that move and they made the right hire, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know Alabama went on. He's the greatest college coach of all time. But um, if Texas had made the move to the SEC at that period of time, that that would have been tougher on Nick for sure. And and LSU because LSU is really good. All right. Uh, This next one is from John Anderson. Thank you, John. And John says, can Sark replicate what he did in 2020 at Alabama? Seems like the offense was executing at a much higher level. Well, I, I think it's so different because when Texas, when we're talking about the Texas versus at Bama game all season, all summer leading up to the game, one thing we said is Alabama did not have overwhelming talent this year on offense where they could just overwhelm your ass and the game was over unless you had really high end talent on the other side because you weren't going to stop it. But the reality is, um, you know, that's four first round receivers. Uh, that's multiple first-round picks at quarterback. That is all NFL offensive linemen across the board, all NFL running backs. That 
talent that Nick Saban put together on that roster offensively was as good as we've ever seen in college football. From quarterback to running back to receiver to tight end the offensive line. That was overwhelming talent. So can Sark have that level level of success? No, because that was as special as I've seen as a group of offensive players. You know, that the depth and the talent. I haven't seen anything like that before in my years doing this. Okay, guys, we got two more Super Chats to get to because another one just came in. This first one from Daniel Kinneman. Thank you, Daniel. He says this is for Jerry's Jerky Fund. But where you think the regional rivals will finish the 2024 recruiting rankings? Texas, Texas A&M, OU, and LSU. Who do y'all see one through four? I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Texas, LSU, Oklahoma, and A&M incomplete because I just you know I just you just don't know. I mean, what's gonna happen there? But um, you know, the way Texas has guys dropping like flies on the field, A&M has got recruits dropping like flies right now. So their class is not headed in the right direction. Justin? Yeah, I would go Texas, LSU. I think LSU, like you said, they have, what, 25, 26 kids in this class already. They're probably going to process a few out. If they flip a few high four-stars, another five-star, that's (laughs) – Texas is going to have some competition as the top regional uh, team. But after that, I would go OU because they are recruiting very well. They've got a great class this year. And then A&M's, you know, they still have a top 10 class, but you just got to wonder how much longer that's going to stay together. They've already had a couple drop out. There's probably likely going to be three or four more uh, at this time. So I'd go Texas, LSU, then Oklahoma, then A&M. All right, guys. Then we have a super chat from West Texas Oilfield. Thank you, West Texas. And he says, good morning from Midland, Texas. Who has been your favorite player to watch this year? I like Jay Witt. He seems to make important under-the-radar plays a lot. I mean, for me, Jonathan Brooks. Yeah. I love a guy. I love a guy that the winner's DNA. uh, There's the drinking game thread on Inside Texas. This one's going to have a lot of it, by the way. Um, He has that winner's DNA. He's a kid who could have walked out the door and been a starter last year anywhere about. Now, I'm not talking Georgia or Alabama, but that guy could have gone to University of Houston or about anywhere else and rushed for 12, 1,300 yards last year. He could have got impatient, but he stayed. He stayed the course. He's worked. Um, and those are guys that if Sark can keep in this program and keep recruiting guys like that, then Texas has a bright future. Uh, and, and it's more than just a what he does on the field. It's the why he's doing it on the field for me. Justin? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I had Jonathan Brooks. Uh, Jerry took Jerry stole my thunder. I'll tell you a guy that's been probably my favorite to watch. Surprisingly, is Derek Williams. Yeah, like, and I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I I find myself watching him make a couple plays every game that I think go under the radar. That he just cleans up, comes through the alley, makes a great tackle. Stops a guy in his tracks, does not let the, the guy get past him. The, he does not miss tackles, guys. That guy wraps up guys. And I, I think Derek Williams has flashed more than we're actually giving him credit for. And I think that's why his reps have been have increased each game and each week of the season. 
Okay, guys, last question for today. Obviously, it's a Texas High School Football Friday. Yes. Uh, so we're going to ask a high school question to end the show, and you don't have to name specifics, just buy or sell. Uh, buy or sell the 2023 Texas High School Football Champions in 6A, 5A, and 4A in either Division One or Two will come from the DFW area. This question from Fresh 6473. I mean, they should. Uh, Bye. They should, except Carthage. Bye. Bye. Agreed. It's cyclical, and Dallas is just up right now. Houston's coming back, though. Yeah. Agreed. All right, y'all. Well, later on today, I want to mention, and this is from Bobby here, um, if you're around, head on over to the co-op from 3 to 4, and they've got a happy hour set up with free drinks. Rod and Bobby will be broadcasting live from there, right here on On Texas Football. Jerry, I know you join in as well. Um, and so I'll let you tell everybody real quick what they can expect on that, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, everybody's been giving Super Chats the Rod's uh, baby fund. Give him five-hour energy Super Chat uh, funds. I mean, he's got the young kid. Yeah, Rod's working his butt off. Does a 6 a.m. to 11 radio show. That's a long time to talk on radio. Uh, but Rod yeah, and Bobby at the co-op. Um, I'm sure they'll be wearing the same. Uh, they'll be wearing great gear, different color Texas shirts. Uh, but we'll be talking, obviously, recruiting Texas BYU, Malik Murphy, Arch Manning. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk all about it from three to four inside Texas. We have uh, recruiting news coming up, team news coming up today. We have our weekend live thread. Um, we have everything you needed inside Texas. Um, you know, Justin Wells will have some funny comments on inside Texas throughout the day, as always. Uh, but, yeah, we got a lot coming. Huge day tomorrow. Uh, by the way, Bevo Boulevard, 10 a.m., things open up. If you're going to the game, uh, Bevo Boulevard, I, I think, is a great place to go, especially if you're taking kids. But the team comes in two hours and 15 minutes before the game at the north end of Bevo Boulevard, which is really cool. South end of Bevo Boulevard, about 30 minutes before that, that's where they roll Bevo up into the stadium with the, uh, uh, pretty much a pit band type of thing. Some of the band members there. That's really cool. So if you guys haven't experienced Bevo Boulevard and you're going to the game tomorrow, make sure you get there about three hours early and enjoy everything around it. Chris Del Conte at University of Texas have done a great job there. They've made it an amazing uh, game atmosphere. And I think the rain should be passed. I haven't looked uh, at the radar this morning, but I think the rain should be passed. And Jerry, I'm glad you mentioned Inside Texas. Uh, right now there is a special for new members. You can use promo code OTFIT23. You get $1 for two months. You got to select the monthly offer, and it's for new members only. But, Justin, I'm going to let you tell her, just kind of give everybody a preview of what they can expect if they're not a member and tell them why they should be a member. Yeah, mainly because the content is is outstanding and free-flowing and, and, and wonderful. But it's really the community. We have an incredible group of, of members and fans at Inside Texas you know, we, we've been there so long and, and they've been so good. And it, it's it's such a nice, tight knit group of people. Uh, they really do pull for each other uh, outside of a game thread. Uh, it, it can be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have a recruiting update uh, here a little bit later today. Jerry and I are, have got a, a comprehensive recruiting visitor list for Texas BYU. It may not be the sexiest thing in the world, but there's some good kids coming in, some specifically 2025 and 2026. Um We'll have some, we have a team humidor that just went up, Eric and I, and, and that's something you got to check out. And so, and then Saturdays, man, Saturdays are always a blast. The Texas BYU weekend thread is a trip. 
it that's worth your that's worth the the, the price right there. But the, the truth is, let us earn your business. Let it let us earn it. You get it for the next basically through through an early national signing day. Let us earn that. Let us earn your business because this is a Texas is in a position and the fans are going to have a lot of fun over the next few years. This is only the beginning. And I think this is really the time to kind of jump in. And that's why I love doing this show. And I think that's why I love being a part of this just because inside Texas is such a nice community. There's so many people that I've gotten to know and being friends with, and they're just wonderful people. And they keep coming back every day because we keep delivering stuff every day. That's our job. That's our role. And that's what we continue to do. Uh, and by the way, Colton, yes, Manscaped. <laughs> Halloween is four days away. What the heck is that? I saw that early. What does that mean? <laughs> I had a Manscaped read for the last two weeks on the uh, coffee and football shows. Just oh, oh, it was, it was phenomenal. phenomenal. Hey, by the way, we did go over 25,000 subscribers, Blake Monroe. Yes, yes, we did. I wanted to talk about that real quick. So we did go over 25,000. As promised, we will draw for the poster. I hate to blame it on my 11-year-old, but he messed a couple things up. So we're going to draw on Monday morning because he logged me out of a couple of accounts on accident. So Monday morning, when Bobby's back, we will draw first thing that morning uh, right out the gate and, and get the winner for that poster that signed. And then, of course, stay tuned. But thank you all for your support out there. Yeah. 25,000 subscribers and counting. Hey, by the way, two other things. Uh, Bobby and I will have a, a live stream tomorrow. 10 to 11 before the game. Then the watch with us, uh, with Aaron Hogan, Bobby, myself, whoever else, Rod Babers, Ian Boyd, whoever else jumps in. We'll have that during the game as well tomorrow, starting at 2.15, 15 minutes before kickoff. So uh, we'll have that live stream tomorrow morning, followed by the watch with us. And watch with us should be a lot of fun now. You got Malik Murphy's first start, and I think Justin and I think we're going to see a little Arch Manning tomorrow too. Yes, we will. But also – this whole thing with Manscaped, I, that's, I couldn't understand what all everybody was talking about in the comments about Manscaped. And it made me think, did, how did Jerry get this promotion? Did the lawnmower. The lawnmower. Oh, it's my phenomenal. God. It's phenomenal, Justin. Well, it's Halloween, Justin. It's Halloween. Halloween. Oh, my God. Now I know what all this means. Y'all are, are terrible. Good <laughs> Lord. Holy moly, I have been missing out on coffee and football. Man. You've been missing out on a lot. I'll tell you that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> There's no I'm doubt like about it. All right, guys, we want to thank BKCW Insurance for sponsoring today's show. Be sure to give them a call. Check them out online, bkcw.com, and escape that insurance trap. Let them help you. We uh, definitely appreciate their sponsorship <laughs> each and every Friday right here on Coffee. It's carving pumpkins with Medscape. <laughs> and then thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. We appreciate y'all getting us over 25,000 subscribers. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Ring the bell so you're notified each and every time a new video is posted right here. And uh, then head on over to Inside Texas because the coverage will not stop this weekend. That's InsideTexas.com, OTFIT23. Get that promo code in for you new members. And for Justin Wells and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you Monday morning.